This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Welcome to episode 47 of the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne. So the last episode went down rather well. The opposition perspectives always seem to be of interest. So thank you very much to Chris Boothroyd from amongskyscrapers.co.uk and the Montenegrin perspectives from Mihailo Glusevic and Aliosa Drobnak from Total Montenegro News. What an international weekend. Six points. 10 goals for, 1 goal against, top of Group A. Can't be too many that will be disappointed with that. Dom Smith from englandfootball.org described the Czech result as a sterling start, saying England make a stunning start to Euro 2020 qualifying as Raheem Sterling's hat-trick helped them on the way to a 5-0 thrashing of the Czech Republic. Then followed the Montenegro game, 5 again for greedy England. Jonathan Fearby at footballengland.org. Sterling cashes checks at Wembley. And Sam Tonks at the Three Lions Report.com. Raheem Sterling hat trick inspires England win over the Czech Republic. And then England keep up winning start to Euro qualifiers. Coming up on the show, we speak with Dom Smith from englandfootball.org and CJ Joyner about both of those games. CJ was out in Montenegro. In other news, some of our lower age sides have been in action. The under-17s got their Euro Elite qualifying underway, beating Switzerland 5-2 in Silkborg. An own goal and two from Morgan Rogers of West Brom and two from Arsenal's Sam Greenwood. Then on the 24th of March, we faced Croatia, ending nil-nil. It appears had a fair bit of drama there. England down to 10 men after goalkeeper Louis Molden of Manchester City was sent off. Giving away a penalty in the process, on came James Trafford, whose first job was to try and save it, which he did. The lads' final game came against the hosts Denmark on Wednesday the 27th. We needed to win to progress to this summer's under-17s Euro finals in Ireland. In a busy second half, Denmark took the lead. England equalised through Maduke. Joe Gelhart made it 2-1 on 87 minutes. Denmark then equalised a minute into injury time, only for Maduke to get the winner and his second a minute later and make it 3-2 and we're through to the finals. The under-18s were in action over in Dubai in a UAE Sports Chain Cup. After beating Japan 4-1, they lost to the Czech Republic by a goal to nil. And in their final game, beating Mexico 3-2 with a penalty from Tommy Doyle, following Balugan and Curtis Jones meant they finished second in the four-team tournament that also featured Belgium. At the under-19s beat the Czech Republic in their game at St George's Park, winning 4-1 in their elite round for the European Championships. 
After going a goal behind on 10 minutes, they reacted by equalising a minute later with a goal from Boyako Sacco. Then three goals in the second half, another for Sacco and one each for Conor Gallagher and Daniel Loder. Next up were Greece on Saturday the 23rd, which I listened to the excellent commentary on a web-based station. Live Sports FM came live from St George's Park. can recommend that one. Sadly, the game ended 2-1 in Greece's favour. England's consolation came from a Morgan Gibbs-White penalty. They then faced Denmark on Tuesday the 26th in a must-win game. Goals from Ian Pavida and Mark Gui weren't enough as the game ended two apiece and the lads wouldn't be going to the summer's finals. And the under-21s faced Poland at Bristol City's Ashton Gate on Thursday 21st of March in a friendly drawing one apiece. A great run from Rhys Nelson resulted in Everton's Dominic Calvert-Lewin opening the scoring before Poland equalised. We then faced Germany on the following Tuesday evening down at Bournemouth. England hadn't lost since the 2017 Euro finals by Germany and it was the Germans who brought the unbeaten run to an end. With a last-minute winner, Manager Aidy Boufroyd made wholesale changes from that Poland game. Germany took the lead just before half-time. Playing on his home ground, Dominic Solanke scored the equaliser before the opponent scored with a controversial injury-time winner. Right, let's move on to the Czech Republic match on the Friday evening. Now, this was our biggest Wembley win since beating San Marino in 2014 by the same scoreline. I think it's safe to say the Czech Republic are a slightly better side than San Marino. And it all began with a great tribute to Gordon Banks and a, a wonderful surfer flag in the home end. A really nice touch. Starting lineup of Pickford in goal, back four of Chilwell, Maguire, Keane and Walker. Midfield of Henderson, Dyer and Alley, and a forward three of Sterling, Kane and Sancho. And here to chew the fat is Dom Smith from EnglandFootball.org. Dom, hello there. Hello. You all right? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Well, I'm recovering from uh, a ruthless victory, goodness me. Wasn't it just? You were there as well? Yes, I was. I think most of England was. It was sold out. (laughs) 82,000 all squeezed inside there. There's a couple of little empty patches were yeah up in almost opposite the the dugouts upwards and I always find it strange when they are they're almost squares as if they they're obviously defined areas that they haven't sold tickets for which I always find a little bit odd yeah well you can bet your life there's people from nowhere near London who would absolutely have snapped those tickets up if they could just get travel which is a shame but you can only have one you can only have one stadium in one place of course that's right although we we now know that Kosovo in September, uh, yes. we'll be going on the road. That'll be interesting to see where where that would go. Any thoughts on that? Where do you think that'll be? I've had a think about it, and I've got it down to, I reckon it will either be Villa Park, or I don't think it'll be down south, somewhere like, like Bournemouth, the, the Vitality, or, or Southampton. I don't think it needs to be there, because those people can frankly go to Wembley, or that's what the FA's thinking will be. So I, I reckon it will be, the Villa Park, or it will probably be St James's Park, Newcastle. That is the two which I would imagine. But that's just 
you know, it's me having a guess, so I that's, don't know. That's all, I, that's all I've been doing is guessing, and I'm, I'm working on the law of averages, and I think it'll be in Southampton on the fact, oh, wow. that, <laughs> okay. on the fact that we've had our games in Leicester and Leeds last mm. year, and we've been in Manchester, Sunderland, uh, before the Euro 2016. Yeah. And, and again, it's just working on the law of averages. I've no idea. I've no inside knowledge. I think they're going to bring it right down south for Southampton. But we will, we'll wait and see. Yes, we will. We'll, it'll be interesting to find out. Yeah. Anyway, last night, or, or as we're speaking, last night, Friday night, personally, I, I thought it began a little bit sluggish. Nothing for the, the first 20 minutes. And I was, I was thinking about it. And it was only when when I thought about what had happened on around 20 minutes was when Dyer went off and Barkley yeah. came on. And I thought, you know what, I think that was it, that Barkley came on with the injection of enthusiasm or pace. And, and that's what maybe changed the game. Well, I would agree that definitely there was more attacking impetus when we when we gained that extra offensive player. I mean, I, I was travelling up to Wembley with my brother amongst other people and him and I were having a bit of a competition, guess a starting lineup. If you get it bang on, you get a fiver. Now, I didn't get it bang on, but I was one player out. I thought we would go with one pivot and two attacking midfielders, Ali and Ward-Prowse. And of course, it ended up being Dyer because I, I knew Henderson was start pretty much, but uh, ended up being Dyer rather than Ward-Prowse. And I was surprised actually when that came out because I thought, well, you know, that is maybe a bit too... Um, not negative, but um, cautious against a Czech Republic team that, although our second seeds are beatable on paper for a team ranked fifth in the world, and certainly Barkley came on, and uh, I can't actually think of a player that, who provided a higher number of sort of driving runs in the game than him, actually. I thought he was outstanding, but um, maybe we haven't heard of him because obviously we've heard about someone else. That's someone else, of course, Raheem Sterling. It was he rightly gets all his plaudits for his first international hat trick. It was his it was his first Wembley goal since Estonia in twenty fifteen. Yeah. And obviously off the back of the, the two goals in Seville, this is what we've wanted to see for a long time. We know what he can do for Manchester City, but now now we know what he can do for England. Yes, I mean uh the shackles are off and this is a man that's shooting early rather than thinking about it. And the the lovely thing yesterday was at moments, and, I, and you know, I'm, I'm not having a dig, but at moments there were times where I wanted Sterling to release it to other players and he didn't. And instead he drove on or shot. And that is just an in, absolute opposite to what we've known him to do. You know, we want him to shoot and he just squares it and makes the wrong decision. So it's lovely that he's having a bit of a selfish streak because, you know, we hear on the radio uh, and, uh, in the studio sometimes um, commentators want some want unselfish players to be a bit selfish and Sterling is finally doing that for a little bit. Yeah, that, that first goal where Sancho done all, all the great work on the right-hand side, put it across and, and Sterling, mm. he was in the right place at the right time, slid in and you kind of think maybe in a few, a few games gone by, he wouldn't have, his luck or it just he wouldn't have got on the end of that one. Which is, yeah. and I thought that was how he's he's just changed this that little I don't know, mentality on in an England shirt that he's just changed, um, and and happy to put put the ball away. The obviously he won the penalty, for of Harry course. Kane. Yeah, you can count that as an assist if you like. <laughs> 
Yeah, that is true. Uh, his second goal, I'm going to get confused now between which was the second and which was the third. Yeah. Third goal was the long shot, wasn't third it? Goal, third goal was deflected. Second one was it came to him with a bit of fortune. He held off his defender and whipped it quite nicely. Yeah, That's that was, right. the, that yeah, was turned, the second one. Yeah, turned his Almost turned turned his back and, and curled it around, didn't he? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Which was oh, a superb goal. I mean, the third really one. Really good goal, yeah. Yeah, the third one, as you say, a little bit fortunate with the deflection. But, but hey. he deserves that luck after after years of um, a, ma- a lack of luck, let's say. Mm. And to put the uh, to put the Estonia game, the last time he scored at Wembley, into context, on that day we had Nathaniel Klein playing, we had Theo Walcott as a goal scorer, and we had a debut for Deli Alley. Now think think about how long that ago that feels now. Wow, that was Deli Alley's debut, was it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Well, no, he's he's oh, no, come of age is is the wrong phrase because we know he's always been there. But this is going to be. I kind of hope that the media aren't going to heap more pressure on him now they know what he's capable of. Um, I'd hate to to see that because I they're... don't th- I don't think they will simply because I don't think any pundit or comment- commentator is stupid enough now to ever say anything negative about Raheem Sterling because first of all the racial tensions that have been linked with it and second of all. Uh, whether you know second of all people on on twitter for you know months and months now have been defending him for being such an outstanding footballer so if you're if you're a commentator or a pundit and you have a go at something that sterling does wrong now you can bet your life you're going to hear from it about on twitter because uh the vast majority of the great british public absolutely love the man now yeah i i i guess i was probably more aiming at the front pages of some certain well, newspapers. Well, that is a bit which, different, yes. Yeah, which which I guess the, the sports pages and, and the commentators of the world have, have no control over. But no, I mean, we're speaking ahead of, of Montenegro away as well, and, and you'd like to think that he's going to go into that with so much confidence. And, and hey, he can add to his, his seven international goals. Well, he definitely can do, and uh, if I'm to, if I'm to give my prediction, I reckon two 0 and Kane won't be a scorer, but I reckon Sterling might grab one. Okay, yeah. Obviously, we had the the own goal, which was not um, frustrating, but it was it was we were blazing away, and it just seemed so unfortunate that that Czechs had <laughs> yeah. that conceded in that manner. Um, it was such an unfortunate goal, but I guess it all came. Because of the introductions of of Barkley, Hudson Odoi as well, who who had yes. a tremendous impact. He did. Um, he's a potentially a uh, a slightly selfish winger, but we know through the years some of our wingers have been a bit too unselfish, uh, and in the past Sterling would be one of them. So it's nice that he came on, and felt the confidence to take a few shots on, definitely. And you can certainly see. I mean, for those that maybe hadn't seen him playing mm. for Chelsea. And you could certainly see why Bayern Munich were had a uh, had an interest in him. You definitely could, yeah. He's uh, someone that could ter- could have turned their season around when it looked in jeopardy, but they look to have recovered it at the moment. But and yeah. thoughts on on Declan Rice, who also made his international <coughs> bow from the bench. Yeah, he came on and did exactly what we've been hearing he's so good at recently. He. Uh, was only passing forwards, which is not something that we're used to um, as fans of an England defensive midfield line. They like to pass sideways 
but he certainly didn't. He played pretty well. He's the first player ever to play for England, having played for a different country before. Is that right? Okay. He is, yeah. Oh, this is why I love having you on, Dom. You give me all these stats that, uh, <laughs> that you've done all the groundwork for, which obviously is all part of englandfootball.org. How's that going? It's going pretty well, yeah. Um, it, it's definitely growing. I'm getting readers from, well, I, I was already aware that I was getting readers from all corners of the globe and from very obscure countries. But recent in recent months, probably I would say since the World Cup, my, my British or, or my UK readership has increased, which is a good thing because... You know, it is a it is it called englandfootball.org, so I need to have as many you know England fans reading it as possible, and uh, it's it's definitely grown in that way. I, I aim to get one article or more done per week, which you know, which I'm usually able to do, and um, able to um, you know understand all the technology, you know, post pretty pronto when something's happened. So yeah, I'm really enjoying doing it. Yeah, good stuff. Well, it's always a good a good read, and we I know you always post on our Facebook page and I'll always ping it out on Twitter as well. It's always a very good yes. read, englandfootball.org. One last thing, which I, I don't think I've read anywhere in the British media yet, and that is that last night was the Czech Republic's biggest defeat ever. Really? Really. Okay. Outright, not joint, outright biggest defeat ever. And, uh, yeah, we haven't heard that, have we? But that's, uh, that's a new record as of, yes, as, well, as of Friday. Yeah. It's not, not the sort of thing that I guess the uh, the Czech Republic would be putting out there, really, would they? No, but it's history. And if we want to talk about it, we can do because it's happened. Yes. And I, I mean, just touching on Montenegro and Bulgaria just drew one apiece. And, and that seemed a, a really suspicious penalty that was given. I don't know if you saw that. I, I'm yet to see the highlights, but I'm, I'll make sure that I do because it's it's important to scout your opponents. <laughs> yes, the uh, it was a good two yards outside of the box. Oh really, wow! Yes, and, and I guess Kosovo they must be they must be sitting at home just watching it all, gathering it all in, and thinking uh, where the land lies, and and maybe they can think, well, we can finish second in this group. Well, Kosovo are definitely not minnows. Trust me about that. They drew with Denmark a few days ago. And of course, just like England, if, if they don't do well in this group, they've got a Nations League playoff to get to the Euros because they won their group in group in uh, League D. So, yeah, they, they are not the minnows that people are suggesting they are. And, and frankly, I think this group, other than England at the top, could be pretty tight. We will wait and watch and see with bated breath. Don. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. As always, keep up the good work and we will no doubt speak again. Would love to. Thank you very much for having me. Right, let's move on to Montenegro. Four changes to the starting lineup. In came Danny Rose, Ross Barkley, Declan Rice, and Callum Hudson Adoy. We've already spoken with Don Smith, who was at Wembley. Let's speak with CJ Joyner, who was out in Podgorica. CJ. Hello, Russell. You all right? Yeah, all good, thank you. All, all back, safe and sound. Yeah, safe and sound. Enjoyable time out there? It was very good. We took quite a convoluted route to get there and back, but. It was all part of the fun, really, going to different places. And we, we didn't really spend a lot of time in uh, Montenegro at all. We spent just under a day, or maybe just actually just over a day, 
general consensus is well even i know from experience not a uh, not a huge amount to do there no they're very proud of one or two things one of them's a bridge yeah. and i can't remember what the other thing was i think it was a statue or something but that's kind of it really there isn't there isn't a lot out a lot else there um we it was it seems like it reminded me a little bit of Bratislava, right? But kind of not as nice, really. <laughs> um, Bratislava, I'd I'd happily go back to, but there, um, I'd go back to watch England. Let's hope but, not. That would be the third time, or it'd be the fourth time if we go back yeah. there. Won't it? <laughs> Watching on the telly, as as I was, it just yeah, there didn't seem much in the way as atmosphere as as I remember back in. In 2013, what what was it like in there? I mean, obviously there wasn't many of us. No, there's 650, I think. Um, I would say that um, I th- I personally think they overfilled the upper tier. A mate of ours almost went over the barrier. Uh, really? Which is a little bit scary. Yeah, when when the goal went in, it was a little bit scary. Really, I think there was 450 seats in the upper and 200 in the lower. Right. They. They filled the upper before they allowed anybody into the lower. And there was obviously some people that are um, a little bit hard. They found it a little bit hard to walk or what have you. And um, they were still being forced to go upstairs, which which is not great. And Any reason for that, do you know? No idea. Don't know. Don't know why that was the case. It's just how they were doing it. And in the upper tier, there was definitely more people up there than what there were seats, 100%. Some people went to back downstairs and just went downstairs because the people I spoke to afterwards said that, yeah, they were a little bit concerned about how many people were up there and they, they, they went down themselves. But, yeah, it, it's, um, it wasn't particularly um, a nicer way. And you couldn't, you, couldn't see, you couldn't really see a lot of the, um, the left-hand side of the pitch from, from where we were, kind of, especially down our end towards the corner. Because of the netting, I mean, you know, you get some netting that's quite fine. It's blatantly there to stop coins and and things like that, and going into the uh, going onto the pitch. But this is like <laughs> this netting you could probably catch a blue whale with, to be honest. It was, um, <laughs> you know, it was properly thick, and it took quite a while after we left to kind of get your eyes adjusted to not having it in front of you. Um, it was it was it was very uh, it, it was properly thick netting and it made the um, viewing the game actually quite difficult and there was also a bit I think it was part of the um, the fencing pretty much covered the um, the goal closest to us kind of the goal right in front of us but it was pretty much covered up by the fencing to our left so that made that made things a little bit more difficult to see what was going what was kind of going on right in front of the goal really. So a lot, of, a lot of restricted viewing. Yeah, not great, and it might explain why we only paid ten quid. True. Um, well, I paid that last time. Um, yeah. I don't remember there being that thick netting as you describe there. Um, yeah. There's a lot of empty seats around the whole ground, though, and it, I'm sitting there thinking, this is this is so annoying that the allocation we've been given and the allocation previously, and with the the explanation of they were going under some sort of renovations. From what I saw on the telly, it looked exactly the same as last time. And, and as well, the um, I believe the I think there was two guys in the previous pod, wasn't there, that said um, that yeah. they both they both said the renovations are virtually done. I'm getting the impression that that's just the away end now. 
and that that's just what it is. And obviously, yeah. if if they impro- if they make one of the other stands bigger, then I would imagine they're going to have to increase the size of the away, um, away end, just because it's got to be the minimum of five percent. Yeah, I just I think that's just what the away end is now. I was looking to see if there's anywhere else where they could have actually put us. They could have potentially moved us on the left hand side. It wouldn't have increased it by much. They could have put us on the on to our left because we were kind of probably level well we were probably the far left of our our section was probably level with halfway between the six yard box and the 18 yard box from memory roughly so potentially we could have been over the other side so we could have had two thirds of the stand rather than one third of the stand again i don't know what the situation is there with regards to whether you could get round into the other stand from that way i don't know i don't know the the press box down to the right was just yeah, it's probably. I've I've never seen a press box like that before. It, it it just seemed a bit odd that the front it literally had just one one kind of table across the front. Every other row didn't have them, and you just think, well, how are they supposed to work? Yeah. You know, because you could see them all on their phones rather than their laptops, right? Because it's just easier to hold a phone and yeah. type and type with you know when you don't have a table in front of you. But yeah, as I said, the ground the ground itself it weren't up to much. I didn't go last time, so I don't know what they've improved, but I'm struggling to work out, even though I haven't been there I ca- before, I can't see what they could have improved. Or I'd love to know how bad it was before. It looked the it's same. Been improved. To me, it yeah. looked the same. Well, it, it appears a few a few England fans got in on the home end it game. It looked that way, yeah. A lot, turned, a lot were turned away, I believe. A lot, yeah. That might have explained why there were so many empty seats. Just with people that weren't allowed in and failed their Montenegro language test at the turnstile. My much better half, she was, um, she had to make do with the five star Hilton down the road to watch the game. So she, she couldn't, she couldn't make her way in. Unfortunately, um, in the in the away end, there were there were tickets available. There were a few that didn't bother, didn't turn up or or what have you, or they didn't pick up the tickets. But the the FA said to be fair to them from the start that look. We can't do anything about it. You can't. You, we can't hand out tickets. They've already got people's names printed on them. However, in hindsight, nobody got their name checked on the way in. There was no idea or anything. So I'm not quite sure. The communication to the F, the FA from the, their Montenegrin counterparts could have been a bit better, really, on that because they could have given those tickets out to people that had travelled over there. And it's just a shame, really, that they did, that they didn't. And there was obviously people that may was on forty two, forty three, forty four caps that could have got that could have potentially had one of those tickets, and they didn't have one. And and they tried to get in the away end, and their tickets were confiscated. It's just a shame, really, it went that way. Let's move on to the game. We got caught caught cold for their first goal. Seventeen minutes in, was it their first attack? I, I reckon it was. was. Yeah, probably the first meaningful attack. Anyway, it was a goal, really. I thought we just looked at each other and thought, "What can you do?" You know, it's a good goal, and I don't think Pickford could have really done much about it. I don't think. um, I think it was Michael Keane that maybe let him go. Another, if another team, maybe a bit better team than um, Montenegro had scored it, you just hold your hands up and say, "That's fair enough." So, I think, especially with how how the game finished up, you just got to hold your hands up there. I think with them as well, really, and just say. You know these things happen. The way how we responded was excellent. If you go two or three nil down, and then you you know you bring on a centre half, you know for for a striker, that's obviously 
that that's obviously going to be frustrating. But in that situation, one nil down, don't change the system. Don't. I mean, obviously, it's early on, so you're not going to bring anybody on in that point. At that point, but in that situation, we didn't even change our system. Gareth knew that we could have been one or two up before that anyway, and I think he knew that it's just a minor setback. And at the end of the day. We could easily score two against them in the last, in, you know, in injury time in the second half. Let alone with our, our, our many minutes was it left seventy three. So yeah. there was there was no need to panic. There was a few of us look, just looked at each other and just went, oh no, you know. But then we just remembered this. This is different now. This team is different. Uh, we've got a different manager. We, you know, we've got belief that no matter what happens we can actually come back. Because if you remember what happened in the uh, the Columbia game, how we conceded in the last minute and to, e- to the equaliser, and you look how we responded to that. So even against a good team like them, we, we've proved that we can actually come, you know, come back from the setback like that and still go all the way and, you know, literally all the way and win like we did there. So this time, this time around, there's, there wasn't really much worry about around the fan base, and it looked exactly the same on the pitch as well. The moment that the moment that went in, there was a bit of disbelief, but at the end of the day, pretty much within thirty seconds, the chance was starting again from the away end, and it just to say, look, you know, we're we're not we're not beaten. It's the seventeenth minute, and this is Montenegro. You're much better than these. We're expecting to win two, three, one, and we probably would have done that if we would have been if we would have been two 0 up. You know, but because of the way that we, because we we went one nil down, I think Gareth wanted to make a statement, and, and you know we didn't stop. We constantly went at them, and you look, we brought Callum Wilson on, didn't we? Um, you know, later on, we didn't, you know, we didn't we didn't shut up shop, which we didn't really need to, but we still went for the fourth, the fifth. We still we, we were still going for the sixth. So, and we could have got it. We could have got that sixth. Keane's header, more than happy with that. It's a good, um, great delivery by Ross Barkley as well. It was, yeah, but um, superb ball in, and obviously, if you look at the other goals. Let's move on to the uh, let's move on to the second one. Callum Hudson Adoy, he had a great great night, didn't he? His run and effort, which uh, Ross Barkley then diverted into the net for two one. Do you know what? I'm not ashamed to say it, but I turned I turned to Dan just before that, and I said to him. Is this a little bit a step too far for him right now? Could he be in the under twenty ones? And then he goes and does that, and I just think you know, fair play to you. Um, <laughs> and, well, he, he still uh, can be in the under twenty ones, and and it's not to say that Gareth may say no at the Nations League maybe isn't for you, and he may drop him down. It's you know you never know. But there is that there is there is that stigma, isn't there? I mean, I know they've done that with uh, with Madison. Yep. and it has been done in the past. At the end of the day, we've got to remember we've got a very young team, and there's a lot of good players in that um, in that under twenty one team that probably deserve a place in the in this senior team as much as Callum Hudson Odoi, maybe even more than him. So that's uh, you look at, you look at Sancho. He, I believe he um, he was what was it the under nineteens he was watching, and you just think he's watching them, and he d- he could go and play for them. And that that's when you realise how young some of these players actually are. Hudson Adoy had never I don't think he's ever even started a Premier League game. No, that's what ITV were making a big deal about. Yeah. With with regards to him, I wasn't having a go at him for saying that he shouldn't have been in the team. I just I just thought maybe 
maybe another couple of international windows in the um, in the under twenty ones are doing good. But I tell you, he he really stepped up to the plate. He really did. He looked like the senior forward. I think as he grew into that game, from about maybe not even from that goal, but from maybe ten or fifteen minutes after that um, after that goal, particularly in the second half, he grew into um, into the role, and he looked more like more like a, a senior forward than what Harry Kane did, and we we were all very impressed with him. Well, though it was two and a half times, three one uh, on the hour mark. Uh, Sterling, we'll talk about him, I'm sure. All the hard work on the right hand side. In it came, and Barkley was was almost on the penalty spot to just tap it away. Three one there, and you mentioned Harry Kane. He, yeah. he was quiet all night, but there he was. He is the goal scorer, and he got his goal on seventy minutes. And again, it was uh, Raheem Sterling's work, his run and pass, um, and then Sterling got his goal uh, right or ten minutes towards the end when he uh, was put through by Henderson and through the legs of the keeper for five one. Yeah, great ball through. Perfectly timed run, really. And obviously, when the keeper was coming out, we're thinking, "Yeah, the keeper's going to get this." But he managed to he, he managed to slip it through him, and you know, I think he did very, very, very well. I mean, with regards to Kane, he's not going to score a better, an easier goal than that. I don't think in his whole life. You know, the rest of the team made it very easy for him to do that. I did hear a few people criticise his goal his goal scoring from open play, but at the end of the day, look at the Czech Republic game. You look at the ball he played through. I can't which goal it was, but you look at the ball he played through. For, uh, I think it, it was one of it, it was definitely one of Sterling's, wasn't it? And you look at that and you think, take go back to the, the Spain game, where you look at his, you know, look at his man of the match performance there. He it, Kane did a lot of work the other night. He did he did do a lot of work. He was sitting very 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 deep, and I think he's got another role now. It's almost like yeah, he's the centre forward, but he does fall back sometimes and let the let the two either side of him the two on the wings kind of cut in in front of him so he's kind of almost quarterbacking them and kind of holding up the ball get taking chances when he gets them like he did in Montenegro but he's got a more more important role now where he um, he can hold up the ball and and kind of play play it out to these um these pacey 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 wingers that can that can score as well and it's actually working. It's a better way. I think it is a better way of doing it. And if he's picking up goals like that, and obviously scoring penalties as well, there's nothing. There's nothing to worry about with regards to him. There really isn't. We've just got to remember what he's doing for Spurs and what he's doing. What he's done for England in the last two or three years. You just he's. I think he's second to none across. Uh, you know, in the world now in his position. I don't. I don't. There's not another striker in the world that I would say I'd have above him. Two a couple of years ago, I said I would have had Griezmann and Lewandowski, but. I'd have him ahead of every other every other striker in the world or every other forward in the world now. I agree, he's doing really well. And you know, you know, come the Nations League, he'll be uh, he'll be banging him in left, right, and centre. I guess we'd we'd better just touch on it. Um, it's been well documented in the past few days. Obviously, Raheem Sterling scored the fifth one and went to the crowd and and gave him the signal that he'd he'd heard what was being said about him. I'm I'm sure that you you heard it as well. Yeah, I didn't pick up on it. Um, I must admit, to start with, my mate Dan, he he did he he said I'm sure I'm hearing that, and I'm, I, I I don't know. I, I obviously I then listened in. It was in the first half, mm. and it seemed to be coming from the other end of the stadium. It wasn't. It, I don't think it was coming from our from the, the people to our left, 
or even to the stand immediately to our left. I think, uh, particularly Dan Aaron, anyway, I think it was much further up the stadium than that. So I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell for us to start with. But then, during that second half, it became blatantly audible, from even from our end. You could tell that that was happening. And you just think, it was just so frustrating. Hopefully, UEFA give them the strongest possible punishment. And I'll be honest with you, I don't. This might sound controversial, but I don't want it to be points. But I want their fans um, punished. I don't. I don't want the players punished because I thought their players put in a. You know, they were a bit rough. They they were kicked Sterling a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot. They were kicking him up. But at the end of the day, it's some teams are going to be like that. It's just how they put. It's how they play, and it's how they deal. You know, a player the quality of Sterling, but. I would personally like to see them play behind closed doors or in a neutral location. Gareth Southgate dealt with it quite well in his uh, immediate, yeah, immediate press conference afterwards and on ITV, who who quite persisted in in asking him about it before they concentrated on the game. But I'd just like to mention what the the FA spokesperson on Twitter has said, that there was an FA statement on Monday evening. England players were subjected to abhorrent racist chanting while playing in a UEFA Euro 2020 qualifier in Montenegro. This is unacceptable at any level of the game and we welcome UEFA's decision today to take disciplinary action. That then goes on to uh, a few more tweets from them. But yes, you, you hope that there is going to be some action. Um, and with, I don't want to sort of, tar everyone with the the same brush but we are playing all all our games in this group in that sort of area uh, and I'm hoping it's just going to be a a one off um because we certainly don't want to be seeing or hearing about it in uh, in the Czech Republic Kosovo and Bulgaria no but, let's hope so and let's face it anywhere anywhere true, yes. we don't want to be here there, there's no excuse for it it's 2019 it wouldn't have been acceptable 50 years ago you know it may well have been accepted by them but it wasn't acceptable back then and it wasn't it's not acceptable now russ you know we're not living in the stone age here we're living in 2019 and these people that do it need to be punished and everybody should be treated exactly the same doesn't matter what they're on their orientation doesn't matter about anything and hopefully uefa come down really hard on them here and they don't do like they've done in the past Give them a slap on the wrist. Let's hope so. Right, okay. Well, that, that's it for this, our, our qualifying games. We've had two, we've had two qualifying games and we don't have another game until June time. They're sort of teasing us. So June time, Nations League, we will speak yeah. then. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having two retrobates join us in our villa. And um, <laughs> I'm hoping they behave themselves. They treat it with with the respect, Russ, that um, that we expect it to be treated, Russ. I will. Uh, I will wipe my shoes on the doormat, and I will bring my. Uh, I'll bring my dictaphone, and we can do a podcast live together. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Nice one, CJ. Thank you very much. No problem. There we go. That's a wrap, as they say. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you very much to Dom Smith from englandfootball.org and, of course, to CJ there for giving us the Podgoritza perspective. You can follow them both on Twitter. Dom is at underscore DomSmith underscore and CJ at CJ underscore Covblaze. Now, before we actually wrap it up, 
I've got something special to play you. This explains the next episode. Bobby was a fantastic man, in my opinion. My girlfriend told me that she'd seen it on the TV on Teletext. And the Azteca Stadium was monstrous. The pitch was absolutely shocking. There's only one thing that's going to happen, and that's Peter Shilton's going to punch it. Coming soon, a conversation with former England international Gary Stevens on the Three Lions podcast. As I say, that's coming very soon. Exciting. If you subscribe at your podcast provider, you'll get it as soon as it lands. In the meantime, please do leave a review on the likes of iTunes. That that would be good. You can find us on Twitter at Three Lions Podcast. Search also the same on Facebook and also www.threelionspodcast.com. Until the next time, cheers. 